Hello everyone, this is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project, and I just want to take this time to personally thank all of our monthly supporters. We could not do what we do without giving from people like you. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And if you're not a monthly supporter and you would like to become one, you can go to jude3project.org and hit the donate tab and sign up. We are grateful for you and we hope you enjoy today's new episode. God bless. Hello, welcome to the Jew 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew 3 Project. What's up, everybody? You're watching another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew 3 Project. And today I'm joined by a very special guest who's no stranger to the Jew 3 Project, Dr. Vince Montu. Welcome, Dr. Montu. Hey, hey, Lisa. Great to be here. Great to have you. This is our second time shooting uh, this particular episode because uh, I was having some technical difficulties on my end. As you can see, I'm not in the studio today. I'm in my office, but uh, we are going to roll with it. Uh, and we got all the kinks uh, worked out on the audio on my end this time. So this should actually work for us. Um, but we're going to be in a new series uh, on your book, The Gospel Hymeno. I'm uh, getting in the frame there. I'm recording this episode with you, but you have three additional interviews that you hosted uh, with some of the uh, contributors of this this book um, that we encourage everybody to get. Also, Vince has a free ebook available on the G3 Project website, the Bizrot um, Apologetics in African Terms. So you definitely want to get that as well. But before we go into all the details and talk through the book for those who haven't seen you on the podcast, which I don't know how that's possible, but tell our audience just a little bit about who you are. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, um, as, as you said, Lisa, no stranger, uh, Jew three project, it feels like the crib, you know, uh, and, and, uh, yeah, but, uh, great to be here again. Uh, so I, um, I actually, uh, uh primarily, uh, am a teacher, uh, you know, teacher of, of, um, church history, especially focusing on early African church history is my, my main emphasis. Um, and I teach at uh, Fuller Seminary, Fuller Theological Seminary, uh, where I teach church history and black church studies. And then I also, uh, am, uh, the, the Ohene or the, the president of the Meacham School of Hymeno, which is a, uh, an African-American seminary program, uh, aimed at giving a, affordable and contextual, uh, biblical education for ministry ministers in the black community. So those are kind of the two main hats. Uh, and then, uh, also in addition to the book we're going to talk about, I also have a, another book out on early African and Asian Christianity called multitude of all people. So, uh, yeah, that's just kind of like the, the hats that I'm wearing uh, right now. Awesome. Uh, and also you're, uh, interpreting things, uh, from African languages into the English. So we're excited to, to, to see the full finished product of that. Cause I know that's going to be impactful today. We're talking about this book, the gospel of Hymenote. What was the motivation behind this book? Yeah, that uh, that's a great question, Lisa. Because yeah, it's a little it's a little different uh, than a, a lot of the stuff that I that I've done, which really more has to do with more ancient stuff. Um, and uh, and and there's something that really the Lord put on my heart uh, that uh, I would say really goes back to my journey uh, in education. You know, because I I came up 
uh, in the west side of St. Louis, you know, I, I didn't really think about college or all that kind of stuff, but I felt a call to ministry. And, uh, and, and, and it was really out of that, that I ended up even going to school period. And, and, uh, and my journey going through the academic process that God took, brought me through, which I just would have never thought possible from going to college and then seminary and then going to graduate school. I, 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 it was almost like leaving the nest, you know, uh, going into academia and studying the Bible and theology and all this kind of stuff. And, and it was, um, you know, it really was like almost a case study in the in the state of theological academia as a whole. Um, and, and I really felt kind of caught between like uh, two worlds, neither one of which really I felt reflected where I came from and the faith uh, and the, the, the gospel that I was raised in. Uh, in my in my urban context. And, you know, I was I, I went and studied in conservative evangelical institutions where, you know, people were, you know, were saying that they were committed to the authority of scripture and to the gospel and the truth of the gospel. But I didn't see myself or my community of people like me reflected in the curriculum, in the classes. And we would not ever be hearing from or reading material or having professors that looked like myself and my community. And so, um, and oftentimes, and we still see this now, uh, oftentimes there was a, a distrust or a hesitancy for really embracing values of justice and reconciliation and, and things like that. And like, oh, that's not the gospel. And we, I mean, we're seeing a whole lot of that right now. Um, and so, uh, and so I, I didn't really feel like the conservative evangelical framework really fit. I mean, again, I, you know, it's funny because I was, I, I, I got saved when I was seven years old. I didn't even know what an evangelical was. And I went to evangelical schools and they were like, oh, you're an evangelical. I'm like, I guess, you know, but, you know, is that, you know, I, I believe in Jesus. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm a believer. I'm born again. I don't know what evangelical is. But, and, and then the more I started to learn about, you know, really um, the way evangelicalism has really been just really embedded in American empire, really from the very beginning. Um, again, it really just didn't fit uh, for, for me. And then on the flip side, you know, I, I started going to other schools as well. I had the opportunity to studies in mainline schools as well. And, and, and ironically, I actually initially felt more comfortable in those kind of spaces because I saw more black professors. I saw more black students. Uh, I saw more blackness in the curriculum and other cultures too. And it, and I mean, it was like the opposite to where if you're not down with issues of justice, you're kind of weird. Um, and so I was at first, I was like, oh, this is cool. But then I started getting a little deeper into it. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, hold up. Like a lot of these professors don't actually believe in the Bible. They study it and they know it back and forth, but they don't believe in it. And, and then the thing that really tripped me out, Lisa, was when I began to become introduced to the thing that is called black theology. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and that really was what kind of threw me off was when I, again, a lot of good stuff in black theology or liberation, womanist theology, a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of helpful critiques to the kind of more conservative, evangelical, whatever framework. But I started to see a, uh, a consistent kind of like uh, relativism or pluralism, uh, kind of, um, it's really almost like a, like a, a secular humanism with some Jesus sprinkled on it, where the experience and liberation of the marginalized is really the center of theology and the beginning and end point, uh, for liberation theology. And, you know, Jesus and the gospel is kind of like, take it or leave it as you, as you, as you will. And certainly the Bible is not trusted or seen as authoritative. And I was like, Whoa, hold up. How is this black? <laughs> you know, that seems very disingenuous to call that black. 
because, you know, that's like, you know, uh, that's not actually what I was raised with. And, I'm, and that's not what most of us are raised with in the black church. And so I just I really, you know, felt kind of like where, you know, where is something that's really reflective of the black church and the holistic nature of the black church, where it is equally committed to the truth of scripture and to justice. Um, and, and that's really kind of the motivation uh, is really just my own experience of not seeing that reflected and then wanting to create categories. That's what we talk about being like the gospel hymenote and a gospelist framework. That's really the motivation for the book is to create categories uh, for for other, you know, not, not just in the academy, but especially for uh, black students, seminary and otherwise uh, and other students as well and and ministers and, and Christians more broadly, again, who might not fully feel like the the concept of evangelical theology uh, fully fits them or uh, or liberation or womanist theology fully uh, fits their commitment to scripture. That that that's the hope is that this framework of gospelist uh, provides framing and language to the already existent uh, lived holistic theology of the black church. That's good. Um, before we dive into the chapter, something I said that I want uh, to piggyback on is you talked about being in um, mainline seminary spaces. How did you navigate those classes? Because I know there's so many people that are listening that are like, I'm learning all this information. I don't know how to navigate this. Is this true? Can we trust the the uh, veracity, the uh, the authority of scripture? Can we trust what we have is the word of God. How did you navigate that space and not get sucked in? Because so many people kind of jettison scripture. How how were you able to stay um, through your time in the in that in that space? Yeah, that, thank you. That I mean, that's a great question because again, I mean, you know, I use that phrase of like leaving the nest, and really, that's that's what it often is, and that's really kind of gets into also. Uh, you know, why also the Lord put it on my heart to start the Meacham School of Hymenote, as well as, you know, we have a, a society and a journal where we're creating theological space. And it's the same thing with this book. The idea of the book is to really flesh out the paradigm and and all of these all of these different components are really poised to create academic space for black theological inquiry that is both academically rigorous and takes seriously uh, the text and critical scholarship, but also is rooted in the truth of the gospel. And, and that's something that uh, really, you know, um, is meant to not make it so hard uh, because it was really hard. Again, it was hard in both. It was hard. Um, you know, I felt like being uh, as, as a student uh, and as a professor, honestly, like I've, I've also taught in mainline liberal seminaries and conservative evangelical seminaries. And both as a, I've, I've been a student and a professor in both. And, and it feels like uh, the struggle in conservative evangelical spaces is like, do these people really care about my people and my community? And do they care about biblical justice? And they keep showing time and again that by and large, they really don't. And 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 that's very difficult feeling, you know, like, oh, that's cultural Marxism or that's liberalism. And and again and, and again, it's um, it, it's very frustrating uh, to, to deal with those kinds of things. And and then on the flip side, navigating the mainline liberal spaces, that was difficult as well, because, again, it's like you're leaving the nest. And a lot of and, and again, this is this is why also we created the Meacham School of Hymenal, because the um, academia has not has historically not serviced and not come alongside the black community well. And so that's the idea is uh, for us to create this kind of space, because when the existing institutions are predominantly white and they're either conservative or liberal. And then the handful of, of black seminaries 
are also all coming from this very mainline liberal space where they don't actually believe in in the scriptures. And so, um, and 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 again, that's really uh, just an effect of the fact that most of them were trained at these mainline liberal schools, and they come in one way, and then they come out another. They come, they've been raised and nurtured in the black church. They've been raised to believe in Jesus, but they come into these seminaries. And uh, and here's the other thing. A lot of times, Lisa, and you know this, that a lot of times, sometimes uh, a black student will even have left a conservative evangelical school to go to a mainline school because the conservative evangelical schools are often so racist and so difficult. I mean, I, I was a student and I got pulled over by the security campus security. You know, can I see your ID? And, you know, uh, you know, walking down the the. I'd be walking down the campus with a and just happen to be walking with a white female classmate and then come the, they pull over and be like, are you OK, young lady? And just like all the, you know, professors trying to speak Ebonics to me and all kind of crazy stuff that, you know, and, and we've we've seen it over the years. Uh, you know, students, uh, black students in evangelical spaces rising up and and speaking out against it. And, and the mainline schools are by no means perfect at all uh, and free from racism. But there's often more, uh, you know, like financial resources and there's often more uh, at least lip service paid towards justice issues. And and so and there's often more black faculty. And so they're they're more comfortable spaces. So the black student will come in and and be drawn to that. And rightfully so will be drawn to the uh, the more comfortable environment. But then the then, you know, and this is what I experienced. Then the professor says, OK, now now that we've won your trust, let's come on over here. Like, you know, Paul didn't really write this and Moses didn't really write that. And Jesus didn't really say that. And you know what? Like all these things are. And, and it's funny because, you know, we do a lot of apologetics with um, you know, we do a lot of apologetic work with, you know, different religions in the black community, Hebrew, Israelites, Kemetic, whatever. But it's really interesting, Lisa, how the thinking and the spirit behind a lot of mainline liberal theology is actually very similar to a lot of the urban religions that we engage with on an apologetic level in that they are often motivated by this sense that, you know, whatever you want to call it, conservative or what I'm calling this book, gospel theology or gospel hymenote, that they will often say that that's just a, that's a, pro they won't call it a white man's religion necessarily, but they'll say that's a product of like dominating imperial theology to say that one thing is right and other things are wrong. That's a, that's a product of imperial theology. And that's where I come back and say, uh, no, actually, uh, early African Christians have been arguing for one universal truth, even when they were the ones being persecuted for it. So you can't say that, but that's often, they only are looking at the dominant sources. And that's the other thing that's interesting is most black theology, if you look at their footnotes, they're mainly quoting German and white American theologians from the 19th and 20th century. And so, you know, that's the, that they're, they're, they're attacking white supremacy by looking only at white sources instead of black sources, like, you know, the writings of Harriet Jacobs or uh, Jarena Lee or Frederick Douglass or uh, certainly ancient African sources that actually hold firmly to the truth of the gospel and to justice. And so that that was just for me what I had to really stay grounded in my faith and understand that, again, my faith is not in evangelicalism or mainline or any denomination or any theological strand or school of thought. My faith is in Jesus. And it's in the, my faith is in the brown skin, Aramaic speaking, Palestinian Hebrew named Yeshua who died and rose again for my sins. My faith is in him and it's not in any school of thought. And Jesus was what was with me and navigating through all of those different things. And I was holding on to that particular faith and taking the good and you know, from all of these strands and then spitting out the bones. And that was really what I just had to do. Um, and uh, but I think that was something that that's honestly another thing that really helped me 
the other thing I'll say, second to second to just holding on to Jesus was also intellectually, it was and is actually a very helpful thing for me to ground my research in, as, as you know, I do in African sources, whether it's on this side or that side of the pond, I've mainly focused on like, you know, Egyptian, Nubian, e Ethiopian. Now I'm branching out into more West African sources. Uh, and then even in this book, Gospel, I'm getting into African-American sources. It's a, it's amazing to me to see again, how much the earliest African-American authors were committed Christians and fought against slavery and injustice and Jim Crow. And, and, and so when you, when we ground our intellectual life in, in actual black sources, whether they're African-American or African, we come with time and again with theologians and pastors and missionaries and people who were deeply committed to the gospel and deeply committed to, uh, to liberation. And so that also uh, really helps me to, to stay grounded and both be able to critique and reject the fallacies of evangelicalism and mainline thinking and, and how, and really how, again, not only the, not only the person and work of Jesus Christ, which is the most important part, but even like the legacy of African Christianity and African American Christianity also complicates and refutes the, the, the problematic nature of both of these strands of thought. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. Your 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 title uh, of your article is Undivided Wings. Why is it entitled that? And what is the kind of the premise of, of your of your chapter? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like so so I um you know, just to give folks a quick layout of the of the book and um and also uh and in, in my chapter as well, uh the book is um and we're gonna be uh you know, as you mentioned, Lisa, we're we're gonna be hearing from several of the authors in the book and um you know, I was able to write the introduction uh, and, and the conclusion, as well as a chapter that you mentioned, Undivided Wings. Now, there, there's actually a, uh, several chapters throughout um, and uh, all coming from different perspectives. Um, but I would say that, like, you know, really the um, the the intro, uh, you know, to speak to maybe real quick to both of them, the intro of the book really kind of lays out a lot of the di dynamics that we've been talking about, um, you know, just about kind of the way in which uh, to to you to quote that title, you know, undivided wings. Um, the uh, the way in which really uh, dominant culture, white theological academia, uh, ever since the 19th century, uh, and, and you know, which is really just kind of an influence of European Enlightenment thinking, uh, which is still, I think, a big part of what is affecting a lot of and driving a lot of mainline liberal theology, which is another side note as a way for folks can stay grounded is to realize that when you're getting hit with lots of this very like kind of progressive mainline liberal theology, that you one thing that's helpful to realize is that a lot of it is really just rooted in German and European enlightenment thinking, which is not very Afrocentric and it's certainly not, you know, Middle Eastern where thought where Jesus comes from. And so uh, and so for us to think that, oh, this is higher or critical thinking and and everyone must see the Bible this way. That's what intelligent people do. That's actually a very colonial hegemonic way of thinking and talking. Um, and so, uh, but, you know, that was something that, um, you know, we just kind of go through in the introduction a little bit, but also go to the scriptures and show how the gospel as it's presented in scripture is holistic and is not, it's not a, it's not an issue of truth or justice, but it's both and. And so then in the intro, we, t we go through even African American, the earliest African American theologians and authors and show how that has been the legacy of, Af of the African American experience since day one for the last 400 years, that the African-American church is actually a very 
uh, a very good reflection or witness to the holistic biblical Christianity we see witnessed in the New Testament. And that there has unfortunately also been kind of an aberration of Christian thought that has been dominate, domineering and imperial. Um, and, uh, and that's been what characterizes Christianity in people's minds. But that's not true Christianity, that kind of Constantinian or, or, or Carolingian or, uh, or colonial or Trumpian type of uh, imperial Christianity is this kind of dominant aberration. But there's always been the true gospel that is holistic. And the African-American church is one of many um, great reflections of that holistic gospel. And so that's the intro, that's the framework of what we're talking about when we say gospel hymenote, that to be a gospelist says that, you know, uh, and I mean, again, just to summarize it, you know, for going back even to the beginning, even to the 19th century, evangelical means I'm committed to spiritual truth and, but, but social justice is not necessarily a high priority um, in that framework. Mainline or progressive Christianity also since 19th century is the opposite. There's a commitment to human flourishing, but there's not necessarily a commitment to absolute uh, truth, theological and spiritual truth. Uh, and, and so what it means, gospel hymen or gospel Got the gospelist paradigm means that there is no priority over one of these over the other. You, you, you cannot say one of them is more important because Jesus himself said that the, the second command is like it. And so love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. You cannot do the first one without the second one and vice versa. And, and also the framework uh, in the intro is also going to the African-American uh, spirituals and the preaching experience, the way that the black church is identified with the Exodus narrative. And, 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 I, and I try to draw attention to the full message. We sing about go down Moses and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And that, that, that mantra, that concept of let my people go is, has, has been with us from abolitionism to civil rights and even now to uh you know to shouting i can't breathe and calling for justice to let us go and to uh give freedom but also we have to look at the fulfillment or the completion of that of that command that moses issues several times all throughout exodus what does he say he says let my people go god says through moses so that they may worship me and so again human liberation is essential and is 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 integral to the mission of the church but it is not divorced from right worship. Orthopraxy is not divorced from orthodoxy. And so they go together. So liberation of the oppressed is unto the worship of Jesus Christ. And so that's the framework that we set out in the introduction. Then in each chapter, the various uh, scholars are coming at it from their own perspectives. And the chapter that I wrote is coming at it from a patristics or an early Christian uh, scholarly perspective. We're all looking at it, whether it's Old Testament, systematic theology, uh, pastoral counseling, history. We're all looking at it as black scholars who are uh, who are in the minority. I mean, it is, you know, you know this, Lisa, but it is um, unfortunately, and I don't know if a lot of listeners know this, but it is actually very rare to find black people with PhDs in Bible or theology or religion of some sort that actually believe in Jesus and actually believe that Jesus is the only way and that the Bible is the perfect word of God. That is actually like we are far in the minority, which is crazy because most black Christians and, and pastors and churches believe those things, believe in Jesus, that he's the only way and the Bible is the word of God. But if you got all the black PhDs in Bible or theology in a room together, 
it'd be like probably nine and 10 of us would say, no, I don't believe that. If we're being honest, now a lot of us, a lot of, a lot of scholars aren't honest, but if we're being honest, that's really where they're at. And so we are a group of scholars, the few that are saying we are, we are black and proud, uh, but we are also committed to the gospel and we believe in Jesus. And we're all looking at it at, at our own disciplines from that perspective. And my particular perspective is that of a patristic scholar. And the title Undivided Wings actually refers to uh, a quote from one of my favorite early uh, theologians, Ephraim the Syrian, who was an early Middle Eastern theologian, wrote in Syriac. And he had a famous quote where he said, truth and love are undivided wings. They are wings that cannot be separated because truth without love cannot take off and love without truth cannot soar. And so that I quoted Ephraim the Syrian, he was a fourth century Syrian theologian and he actually did theology in a unique Middle Eastern Semitic way of poetry, of musical interactive poetry that was also a mechanism of teaching theology that was very culturally uh, unique to his context. And I quoted him in that because I like that idea that he said in the fourth century, he got it and early Christians got it in the fourth century again, that you cannot separate truth from love or uh, again, relationship with Jesus and relationship with one another and our call to uh, shalom with one another, that these things, and basically in my chapter, I go through and show how in the early church, this was understood. This was an understood thing. The, it, the, the, the dynamic that we're seeing in academia between liberal, conservative, you know, evangelical, mainline, whatever you want to call it, that is really a white European first and then white American imposition academic kind of interjection into Christian discourse that is very foreign to the very nature of Christianity and even Christian history. It, almost any other any other period in church history, it would be almost foreign to come in and say, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in justice. That's cultural Marxism. The, the Christians were at the front lines of justice work before Marx was ever even, uh, you know, ever even around in the 19th century. And so th that would be foreign. And at the same time, it would be foreign to say, I'm a Christian, but I don't really believe in the Bible or I don't really believe Jesus is the only way. I think there, you know, there's multiple ways like that would have been foreign. Again, that is actually a very white idea. That's a very white European enlightenment idea to say I'm a Christian, but I think there's a, there's multiple ways, you know, to truth. And it's not only through Jesus. That is a very European way of thinking. That is not an African or a Middle Eastern or an Asian or even pre 19th century. That wasn't even a European Christian way to think. That is a very modern and Western concept that then the black theologians just kind of took Schleiermacher and took Bart and took Nietzsche and took Kant and they just slapped black in front of it. And it doesn't sound like nothing in any black pulpit or any black church. And that's why most black church don't even know who the, a lot of these theologians are. And so that's really what the, my chapter is really doing is trying to show how this, uh, this, this holistic gospel hymenote that the black church, the African-American church is a witness to is actually something that has been, uh, that has been a, a very strong characteristic of the church from the very beginning. That is, that is helpful uh, for our audience to note. Um, when we think about the, the, scholars you're going to be interviewing in the next uh, three episodes following this one. Um, what key things do you think is important for them to know about the, the particular chapters they will be speaking to? Yeah, that that's 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 a great question. You know, they I mean, I, I wish we could do them all because, you know, all the scholars in, in this book are, are really, you know, top notch, uh, you know, Old Testament scholars, New Testament 
uh, you know, theology, practical uh, ministry and uh, homiletics and counseling. And um, so definitely uh, get the book and read the whole thing, but also follow the work of these scholars, because, again, you know, like I said, there's only there's not that many of us, unfortunately, that again, that are that are black scholars that are committed to the gospel and um, and are, you know, black and proud. Um, and so uh, so definitely follow their other writings and works as well. But the ones that we're going to be doing in this series of videos, we're going to actually profile and highlight the chapters uh, from Dr. Vince Baycoat uh, from Wheaton College and also Dr. Jacqueline Dyer from Simmons University and then also Dr. Kaniquia Day from Gordon Conwell Seminary. And Dr. Baycoat is coming at it from a, like, you know, I was mentioning, I'm coming at it from a patristic standpoint. He's coming at it from a systematic theology standpoint. And his chapter and his interview will really be helpful, um, you know, and, and, and will really be, a, I think, a really good, uh, really uh, case study and, 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 uh, and, uh, and, and representation of what it's like uh, to, I don't want to give it away too much, but he really, he really talks a lot about his journey as a systematic theologian and as a public, the, a, a student of, and a scholar of public theology and ethics, uh, his journey into a lot of the key thinkers who were European, you know, evangelicals that he had to grapple with coming to terms with, again, the racism uh, that, again, as I mentioned, has been at the core of evangelical theology since its beginning, even in the 19th century, and his journey as a black as a black man and as a scholar, how to you know basically how to engage evangelical theology that might have a lot of great benefits, but also has a lot of problematic racism in it, and how do we engage and navigate that as as, as black scholars and and ministers? And then uh, Dr. Uh, Jacqueline Dyer will also be coming at it from a social worker and also a uh, counselor and therapist perspective, and uh, and as a practical theologian. And her chapter is really on the need for trauma-informed care in in the black community and and a, a pastoral approach that is that is a that is that is woke to the realities of communal and historical trauma that is necessary in terms of our ministerial practice and again it's a that's that's i think a really helpful um chapter for those of us in the black community and, and those of us who are black Christians who are trying to, again, really reclaim and, and also to understand the holistic nature of how we minister that, yes, we preach the gospel and the truth of the gospel. We also have to attend to social injustices and inequalities. And we have to do that from the pulpit and from the from the core of the church, because we have people that are that are that are leaving the church, even in the black church uh, that are that are not the issue. Various issues of injustice are not being spoken to, uh, and especially with pastoral competence in terms of counseling and, and awareness to historical trauma. And so, uh, and she also talks about the, the the purpose of lament and also towards shalom. So that will be that's that's a really great uh, going to be a great conversation and chapter as well. And then the other one is Dr. Kaniqua Day from Gordon Conwell, and she's coming at it from an Old Testament standpoint. Um, and and she actually is looking specifically. She's doing an exegetical study on a on the passage about the daughters of Zelophehad in the Book of Numbers, and she's engaging uh, these various strands of thought that we've been talking about. She's engaging you know evangelical conservative uh, Jesus of that particular story. And also she's engaging uh, like white feminist readings as well as black womanist readings of it. And then uh, again, taking some of the positives and negatives, comparing them and then presenting a gospelist reading of the story of Zelophehad from the perspective of an Old Testament scholar uh, who she is, but and also a black woman who is 
uh, again, black and proud and also is um, committed to the truth of the gospel. And I want to give a, a special shout out to that chapter in particular, because, um, you know, this is, you know, this book is one of the again, one of the few things in print that are that is actually done by black theologians and scholars that is, again, offering a um, an alternative. And again, it's all love. You know, we got no no shade or nothing like that. We want to be in cordial, graceful conversation with our liberationists and women as brothers and sisters. Um, but at the same time, we do want to present an alternative for uh, for folks that are, again, wanting to have a theological category of gospelist that is that is, again, uniquely and equally committed to truth and to justice at the same time. And so. What, but I want to give a special shout out to Dr. Day's chapter because um, this is actually one of very, very few. Like, could, could even, I don't even need one hand to count how many how many books in print there are. Um, again, another way to illustrate the the and I will say, I mean, with love and with respect, but I will say that we do have a crisis, and I do want to appeal. I do want to appeal to um, to the to the black Christian community and especially to the apologetics community that, again, we are aware of Hebrew Israelites. We are aware of Kemetic. We are aware of you know black Islam. We are aware of black atheism or secularism, all these different movements in the community. Many of us are aware of it. And again, it's we, we of course, want to approach these different uh, concepts and ideas with love and with grace. But we do also have to boldly declare the truth. But I again, I want to. I want to I want to bring people in and, and cue people into the reality that that people might not be aware of that the majority of black theologians and Bible scholars in the academy do not believe in the gospel, do not believe in the universal truth of Jesus Christ. That is a crisis, y'all. I mean, again, the Meacham School of Hymeno is the only black seminary that is offering graduate level theological education that is that stands on the authority of the scriptures like the. Uh, you know, other black seminaries do not. And so that's, that is a crisis. We have a crisis. The black community and black church is being misrepresented in the academy with a, with a, with a, with a concept that's called black theology, but that if you read it, and again, that's the other thing, there's a, there are dozens, I'm talking about, there's like a kind of one hand, how many, how many scholar, how many scholarly books that are actually engaging and pushing back, uh, respectfully pushing back on the dominant liberation uh, theological paradigm. There's a only a small handful, but if you just Google book search, womanist theology, black liberation theology, you will find dozens upon dozens upon dozens of books uh, that are again coming from that other from that that mainline standpoint. And so that's really what we are trying to do is provide an alternative and to boldly push back. Um, and so, but also not leaning upon white evangelicalism as the alternative, but again, the, the the gospel of Jesus Christ and also the the great reflection of that gospel, which is the black church. And so that's, but again, I, I wanted to give it, I want to make that general appeal for folks to enter into that and to really prayerfully be uh, engaging in this. It really is an apologetic issue, but also I want to give a special shout out to Dr. Day's chapter is why I mentioned that because her chapter, this book, I mean, if you know, get it and read everybody's chapters, but I, I want to give a special shout out to that chapter because um, her chapter is the first, first academic work in print by a black woman who is a scholar of Bible and theology that believes boldly and unashamedly and openly in the universal truth of the gospel. There is not there. I mean, somebody tell me if, if there is something, if there were, to my knowledge, I do not know of one other, even article book chapter or book 
that is written by a black woman scholar of religion and theology that openly declares their truth to the absolute, their commitment to the absolute truth of the gospel. So this is historic. This is historic, even just for that alone, let alone all the other great chapters in the book. So definitely be uh, looking forward to her interview as well, and all of the all of the interviews. Um, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be dope. Awesome, and I hope y'all be tuning in because the whole uh, next after this one, the next three weeks of podcast episodes will be uh, all around um, gospel hominote uh, and. Uh, that is similar to what we did uh, for through um, uh, reading uh, reading while black. I'm sorry, I'm about to get the book title wrong, uh, but we'll be doing that same thing here. Um, and I'm so excited for you all to hear from uh, all of the scholars over the next few weeks. Vince, is there anything else you want to share about the book uh, before before we close out? Oh, no, just, um, you know, I guess the only other thing I can I can say real quick is uh, the title. Um, you know, this is the, the you know, when we say gospel hymen note, um, I appreciate you asking, Lisa, because, yeah, the, the title is uh, really, um, you know, just to let people know the word hymen note, uh, it actually is an ancient uh, East African word. That's it's a word that's used in various East African languages, especially in like Ethiopia and Eritrea. Uh, and uh, it means it means belief. Uh, but it actually means a lot of things. It, it, it can be translated. It's a very pregnant term uh, that can mean belief or doctrine, uh, theology, um, or it can mean uh, lifestyle or or conduct. It's a very holistic term, and again, it speaks to the holistic nature of the Black Church, both in Africa and in the in the in the states. Uh, again, is that there's no separation between uh, you know. Um, horizontal righteousness and vertical righteousness as well. And so, uh, but we're using that term and, and, you know, there's various terms because folks that have, and, and folks that have been in theological education know when you go, when you go into higher ed or any kind of actually higher ed, you get just inundated with, you know, uh, foreign sounding um, European terms in various languages, German, French, Greek, Latin. And, and, and we accept it because it's like, oh, that makes us feel more fancy and refined. If we say things like Zitzenleben or Terminus Antiquim or, 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 um, you know, uh, hermeneutics or exegesis or perichoresis or, you know, kenosis or whatever. We use all these, all these different foreign terms and it makes us feel fancy. Uh, but, but, but again, and that's cool. That's fine. But, um, but again, uh, as children of the African di diaspora and as uh, people of African descent from across the continent, we also want to submit that we should also be drawing upon and engaging with our African ancestry as well and terminologies, especially those like like East African languages, words like hymenote that have actually been used to translate the Bible and write theological literature uh, since the beginning of the church, just uh, stretching back just as long as Greek and even earlier than than uh, theological literature in Latin. And so we, you know, we also submit that we should be uh, doing that's another way that we are trying to decolonize uh, our theological discourse by not always being dependent on European concepts. And so that's where we add that word hymeno, but we're also adding the word gospel and that, that being the, the framework of being gospelist. Um, and again, what it means to be gospelist is, uh, is, is really just 
again, adding theological framing to the lived theology of the black church that again, since, you know, ever since slave days and, you know, segregation and civil rights, and even now, you know, you know, modern civil rights that the black church has by and large been committed to truth and justice. And that's what it means to be gospelist. And the, and it's also a, a shout out to gospel music and the, the idea of the gospel being holistic in and of itself. Um, you know, it's the power of God unto salvation. And so um, that's that's really what the whole, you know, it's, and it's also kind of meant to be African-American as well as rooted in African roots at the same time is, is just a little bit about the, the title. Um, for, so folks can can engage with that a little bit. Thank you so much for your work on this. Make sure you all get this book. It's available on Amazon and I think you and my website as well. Um, so make sure you get that and tune in for the next uh, few episodes. Also, uh, before we let you go, Vince, how can people get in contact with you on social media? I, I know soon, uh, by the grace of God, you'll be joining uh, uh, Instagram, but uh, you're not there yet. But where <laughs> where can they where can they uh, get in contact with you? Yeah, yeah, that thank you. The Lord, the Lord used you, Lisa, to 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 kind of to prod me. I gotta, I'm getting a little old, so I gotta get relevant. So uh, I'm get on, I'm gonna get on the Insta, but but I am on Facebook and uh and and I'll be you know putting stuff there. Uh and you mentioned Lisa, you know, we 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 had the opportunity to collaborate also on an, on another project on the Bisrot, and uh, I know we'll probably talk more about that at another time. And uh but that I just put that up there. And so you can hit me up on Facebook and I'll be on the Insta soon. I'm on Twitter, uh, and then also you can definitely hit me up. Uh, find out whatever we're up to uh, on the Meacham website, M-E-A-C-H-U-M.org, uh, uh, Meacham.org. And definitely you can be hitting us up for upcoming events that we're doing different theological symposia and, and presentations. And then when things open up, we'll be, you know, even be doing other things as well. So you can hit me up there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, Vince, uh, Dr. Bantu. It's been a pleasure to have you on and I'm excited for the series of conversations you have following this one. Um, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Jude 3 Project. Remember, you can get um, our online course, take an online course, get our Jude 3 Project curriculum or donate to the Jude 3 Project all at Jude3Project.org and also uh, the new free ebook uh, by Dr. Bantu, the Bizrot Apologetics in African Terms, which people are loving. Uh, we're getting rave reviews from that. So shout out to Dr. Bantu for all his work that he put into that and um, he wanted it to be a blessing to you all um, free of charge. So get that in time for Christmas as our, our gift to you um, at g3project.org. And there's a tab at the very top uh, that you could click right to that. Um, there were some kinks at the beginning, but we got that all straightened out. So we're good to go um, with downloading that. Um, you can catch all our past episodes at g3project.org. Um, and remember here at the G3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it. Grace and peace. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the G3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.g3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember, we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged 
in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching G3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jew3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jew3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.